All right, we're back after a week hiatus here on Inappropriate Earl. Uh, you guys have been clamoring for new episodes. Well, you're going to get a lot in a very short amount of time. We got uh, Dean Del Rey coming on soon, Skylar Stone working on Steady Freddie Curry, the drummer from Cinderella, and a big one uh, kind of confirmed, uh, Stephen Piercy, the voice of Rat. Actually, he's not the voice of Rat anymore, so... Uh, you know, we'll figure that out when uh, that happens. But today I have a very special guest. Uh, and this is what I love about the world of stand-up comedy is uh, you can see someone every night for months and not know anything about them. So uh, this is going to be a real eye-opener uh, for me and as well as the listeners out there. Because this dude uh, is one of the nicest dudes in comedy. And uh, I first was aware of his comedy by watching him on several undercards at the uh, roast battle on Tuesday nights. And he's so mild-mannered and so quiet, I was like, this guy can't be funny. And bam, he was a killer. He was a silent killer. So I'm happy to have in the Inappropriate Earl Studios tonight, Mr. Frank Castillo Estrada. <laughs> I just fucked up our guest's name. And I told Frank that I don't edit these things. <laughs> it's all right, man. No, it's not. <laughs> Frank, a thousand apologies. <laughs> What's happening? Nothing much, man. Just uh, kicking it. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for coming down. I, that's a first. 25 episodes into Inappropriate Earl. I've never butchered my guest's name. You know, I feel honored. It's... uh. It's a privilege. Like I said, I don't know a lot about you, yeah. but I know your last name. I did get it right on first. Yeah, you did. Castillo. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I didn't screw up. Frank Estrada is, here's where I, I said that. He's doing chips, right? I'm a big fan of the show Chips, and we all know Eric Estrada was Officer Frank Poncherello. Uh, and that's why, I, and, and I just watched Miami Vice before Frank came over, and we all know that Edward James Olmos mm -hmm. was Lieutenant Castillo. Yep. So, Frank Castillo is in the house. <laughs> Frank, now, I know nothing about you. Where do you come from? Uh, I was born and raised in uh, San Jose, California. Uh, then I moved to Mecula, uh, which is like an hour and a half away from Los Angeles. Uh, when I was like 18 <clears throat> and then I moved to Los Angeles uh, like a year and a half ago on your own yeah now were, are your parents alive or oh I've I have both parents um, my both my parents my real parents are divorced they remarried so to each other no no no, no they remarried uh, other other people. people well no my parents remarried each oh, other really? so oh well, that's cool well you know they're both dead now but oh, okay this ain't about my parents. <laughs> so both your parents remarry. Yeah, and then they had kids. Uh, so I have siblings and such. Uh, yeah, and then I moved to Los Angeles by myself. To make it as a comic? Yeah, actually, yeah. yeah. To make it as a comic. I uh, was working at a casino, and that's where I f started doing stand-up comedy at Pachanga Resort and Casino. They have like a little comedy club downstairs. That's not the Laugh Factory one, is it? No, it used to be the improv. Right. Yeah, and then it changed to Pachanga Comedy Club, and then I got in there just, just literally randomly, just started hanging out there all the time. 
And like, did you get to open for other big names who were there? Yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, the first person I ever got to open up for, which was uh, Kid from Kid and Play. Oh yeah, Kid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know his last name. Maybe he doesn't have it. Maybe he's like Fabio, just Kid. Yeah. Was I've heard he's a nice guy, Chris. Uh, Chris. Um, Chris something. Chris Kid. Yeah, I think it is just Chris Kid. Uh, yeah, he's super nice. I literally walked up to him because he was hosting some event at our, uh, our, like a company thing at the casino. Right. And then I was, at, I told him I was like, yeah, you know, we do the stand for like six months. I've like always really wanted to, like, do it. And he was just like, all right, well, uh, you want to open up for me tonight? And they just put me up first. I did like five minutes, and it was terrible. Uh, I thought it was good at the time because there's so many people. Right. Yeah, man, it was the scariest thing in the world. Now, what was your exposure to stand up before that? I mean, you done like a couple open mics, or uh, yeah. Uh, for that previous six months, I was doing like mics at least every day, uh, like once a week. Uh, when I first started doing it, and then after like the second month, I would do it like every day as much as I could. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, which the open mics in my small town were literally just wineries and like bars and stuff, so they weren't. Like, you get a lot of time, but there was, like, four or two people there, or people not paying attention. But, I mean, I would imagine open mics in your small town are different than, say, the open mics here, where it's just all comics. Yep. So it could be good, because I can't imagine in your small town there were a lot of comics. No, there was literally, like, five of us. We'd all, we were all ended up becoming pretty close, and then uh, we all started doing mics in our small town. And then we'd all like road trip down to San Diego like every day or like every other day and like hit up mics. And then since I was in at Pachanga, I would go like every weekend or every other weekend to see if I can get like a small amount of time. And they were pretty cool with it because I worked there too. I were, I was a server at in uh, a busboy at one of the uh, restaurants. Right. So they got to see me all the time. Now, where did you play in San Diego? Because I used to play like 4th and B, which is their big... Yeah, yeah. Big, huge. I, I would open for, like, I was probably what wasn't ready to open, but, you know, I did it anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like, coffee houses and, like, places like Lestat's. I, you know, I never got into Lestat's. I would always sign up and I could never go up, but I would always go to American Comedy Co. They had their open mic oh, yeah. that just started and it was, like, really empty. Then Madhouse had one. Then there was, like, uh, what's it called? Till two club beachers of, or isn't there some, or is that madhouse isn't there something called beachers mad or I thought there was something with a b in it uh, uh i can't remember i know there was there's madhouse and then there was also oh darn i know there's a bunch of mics oh yeah yeah that's the san diego's uh quite the happening comedy scene yeah yeah, yeah it is it is uh i just feel like los angeles or Santa, san diego is like a great place to get comfortable yeah, yeah, no, my friend uh, Zoltan. Yeah, I know. Legendary yep. uh, San Diego comic. You know, that that dude should be in L.A. and make the jump like you did. Yeah, that's like the toughest thing, making the jump. What's well, tough? I mean, there's not, uh, you know, L.A.'s, it's expensive to live. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the jobs you're probably going to get, you know, are, are, aren't going to be the highest paying. So nope. it's uh, it's tough to... Have a full time job and do comedy. Mm -hmm. You're smart. You you're at the comedy store. Like yeah, I just got that. You should get a benefit of, uh, you know, stage time as mm -hmm. uh, some form of payment, other than you know, the hourly. Yeah. 
which I'm assuming uh, is it. What is minimum wage these days? Uh, I think it's like eight bucks, eight twenty-five, eight fifty, something like that. I mean, that's crazy because just to show how much older I am than you, when I was working at a job like that, uh, minimum wage was five and a quarter. So uh, (laughs) back in the day. Um, And how do you like the comedy store so far? It's not for everybody. I absolutely love it because when I was living in my small town, uh, I would still get tortured because I still had to go to work. But I would sit on the computer and just look at the comedy store like look at all the lineups and would like daydream about finally moving up. And so when I, when I heard about them being like, there being like a door guy position, like, and like what that all entailed about like getting picked and not be, like, cause you can't apply for it. You get picked. Yeah. Who picks you? Tommy, the talent uh, coordinator. It's kind of like a group mindset from what I've understood. It's kind of like you go in, you put your time there and you have to be funny. And it's like, if everyone kind of like digs you or likes you or like, you know, likes your style, They'll uh they'll let you in because like it's almost like they're willing to invest in you. Right. Yeah. No, it's uh I still haven't quite figured out the system at the comedy store, but yeah, uh, man, it's so fucking weird. I mean, it's uh on all levels. I don't understand how uh, employees uh like some get to host. Uh, yeah. And then others don't. It's like a weird seniority thing, and then it's also like how well you do, how you've been improving. Uh, I th- I mean, that's what I've been told. Did you think about uh, working at any other comedy clubs or was it was the comedy store yeah, bust? Man, the comedy store bust because it was like just the history behind everything. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. it's uh, the funnest place in the world. So, yeah. um, And then what, you know, you're so quiet and unassuming. What got you into the roast battle? Uh, uh, that was actually, it was, I had like moved here and then I'd been, just kind of hanging out like every night for like a year. And I was kind of like, no one really knew, knew me at the time. I was kind of like, you know, like you said, quiet and stuff. So like I knew a few people. Uh, and then my friend, Trey Stewart, who we both know. Uh, yes. Good man. Uh, yep. Yep. He introduced me to the midnight mic when Brian was just hosting. All right. And then it was literally when I, I just walked up to him and I was like, Hey, do you need anyone to like play music or DJ? And he was like, yeah, maybe next week. And then the week after he was like, yeah, just come back and just keep playing music. And he would let you go up? Yeah, yeah. That was like the deal. I would just play music. Then he would let me go up and get my three minutes. And I think right around that time is like the second or third week that the battle had started. Right. So like I literally just jumped on it right when it was starting. Oh, cool. I mean, I don't really remember the first one that I went to. Uh, You know, I just remember it was kind of a, before Moses started, it was kind of just a bad open mic. Yeah, yeah. No, (laughs) that's what it was. It was a terrible open mic. It was Uh, the worst. No one was there. Yeah, it was just uh, people like Mugzilla. Yeah, and, man. Uh, Mugzilla, for those of you uh, out-of-town listeners, uh, he's just kind of a, a interesting uh, store uh, character. Uh, not the funniest of dudes, but... Uh, big, scary, and ugly. Yeah, yeah, I think he deals like uh, acid or something. That would make sense, actually. He looks uh, like he does. Well, he offered it to me once, and I don't indulge, so... Uh, <laughs> that would make... A lot of sense from my past interactions with him, but it's basically that the that show was full of Mugzillas, and I went up once. I'm like, I, oh man, I can't do this. Yeah, it was the worst. And then, um, when the battle just started happening. There was about a good four or like three or four months when it was just like open micers, like me, and like other comedians that were you know still coming up, trying and stuff, trying to get like noticed. 
And then I asked Brian to do it, and I went against Rab. He was my first one. Who? Rab William was Rasal. He's just some open mic. Okay. Player. That was when like people didn't start taking it seriously. Like people wouldn't prepare. It was like all just for fun. Right. And then uh, I started taking it seriously my first battle. You have to. Man. Yeah, man. And then I went against. Oh, who was it next? Uh, oh, Eric Allegria. And that's when it was still like just 10 people in a room. Right. And like Rel was judging. And then the th- third one I went against was Luke, the other door guy. And that's when it started to get super big. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, uh, that was a great one. Because, uh, you know, Luke's kind of like you, like quiet. And, mm-hmm. you know, people were like, we don't really know what to make of this one. And it was a killer roast. Yeah, man. Was- so, and now uh, you're uh, like a contender to the belt. Yeah, no, I actually have the belt. Oh, I didn't. I mean, you know, it's kind of like it, the the battle's like very much like pro wrestling. Yeah. It's like there's multiple belts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there's different uh, like levels of like, like I guess Jesus Trejo, I would guess consider him the champion. Maybe. Him oh, yeah, and, no, absolutely. I think they said I'm like the people's champ. Right. Maybe. He's, uh, he's like a he's a paid regular and he's, you know, he's, he's of like headliner status. Maybe like uh, Tiana. I mean, she, especially after her uh, killer performance last night. That was amazing. I mean, Sarah's a killer. She's, dude, she intimidates me so much. Well, she's so, you know, you think someone that pretty can't be that funny. (laughs) (laughs) At least I do. Uh, I mean, most pretty comics aren't, you know, maybe the funniest, but uh, you could say that about men, too. I mean, the best looking male comics, you know. Usually the worst. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. but yeah, Sarah was uh, awesome. I mean, you got to prepare for these things. Absolutely, man. you got to because it's like I don't know. Whenever, whenever I roast, I always get like super anxious and uncomfortable. Oh yeah, like, the first few weeks, and then like it gets to the point where it's almost manic how badly I prepare because I'm so nervous to like fail. Oh yeah, well that the energy at these roast battles is like you know it's the bulls of pamplona and the coliseum fucking battles especially now because it's like everyone's there yeah jeff's jeff ross is bringing his industry friends and uh you know even paulie's coming now and Mm. you know you've got like people like hannibal burris and delia and Corey holcomb who scared the shit out of me last night yeah man you know for my particular portion of the roast (laughs) So, I mean, I've even started writing like manically. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to bomb at the, this thing. I always feel like you have the most pressure though, because you have like, you're like they're, like they're on us for like the whole like the whole tension on us, but f- for about a good few seconds, it's on you, and you have to be the best. Like you have to nail it. Yeah, I mean, there's no, uh, you know, uh, that's why I had to bring in Whitney. I, you know, I, I was frankly running out of. It's hard to. Uh, appear racist and be funny Mm -hmm. because if you're not if you're not funny you just kind of just look like you're racist which i am but i mean i don't want no i'm just kidding (laughs) uh and then you have like Corey holcomb who's like this hulking big black super super funny comic like jesus i hope he likes this line i'm about to throw out (laughs) because if not yeah i mean it could be awkward like it was with leslie and whitney you know i mean that you know leslie jones is you know she's an intimidating woman oh absolutely and you never know if, like, you know, like last night, I couldn't tell if she was honestly mad or if she was just doing a, like a bit, a bit to like get the room going. And I still don't know if she was really uh, 
playing a part or <laughs> you know and then uh you know who's battling next week uh, mike faberman and willie hunter yeah that's gonna be that, that's uh i think that'll have some racial uh anytime you have a black or hispanic comic against a white comic I, you know i, I think uh, brings out the hate man yeah yeah it gets the uh, rowdiness level uh up to uh you know a high level how's it uh how's it feel because i remember when you started coming i mean well because i mean you you were there when it was before it was anything too because it was like so i remember being there and it would be empty there like there was a few it was when rail was a judge there's also another judge and you would just be in the back shouting stuff <laughs> and that's when it was like building slightly it was yeah. I, I think right after i did my my one and only roast battle with boone which some probably think shouldn't even count no, but, that was in the, the baby stages. But yeah, I mean, that was like when it was just, you know, uh, kind of building. Uh, I mean, and Boone is a hard guy to roast. Oh, absolutely. And he's quick, too, sometimes. Yeah, but he's quick. But the, the, when I battled him, he just kept saying, who does your hair? And it's really not a lot to go on after the fifth time. Yeah. So then I just started doing AIDS jokes. Which are always always a good go-to. Well, with Boone, they are. Um so uh and now Boone's an integral part of the show. He's yeah. like the opener. Yeah. And if you've ever have a chance to see the roast battle on Tuesday nights at midnight, I, well I guess it's still, what time's the open mic start? Uh open mic starts at 10:30. Uh the roasts uh and undercard start around usually 11:45, 12. But I notice they've started getting later. Yeah, yeah, I think uh I and I think that's cool that it's a late uh it, it is kind of a late night uh show oh yeah absolutely and uh boone shakalaka who's uh i mean how would you describe boone boone is like oh man boone's a homeless uh yeah, like a homeless transient who is a cross-dresser but he always has i mean he knows how to look good when he well i don't know about that <laughs> i mean he's got a sense of trans you know like a he's got like a style for yeah well dresser he never has B.O., and he's always clean-shaven. I mean, sometimes his breath is a little dank. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think he's... I he's had amazing this, deals. Yeah, well, yeah, Boone, uh, I've mentioned him on several podcasts because he's such a fascinating character. He basically, uh, for those of you who aren't local to the L.A. scene, he steals merchandise from stores and then sells it to comics for a dollar. And I mean anything, like yep. iPods, computer screens... Uh, you know t-shirts that have uh you know like from some bizarre vacation resort uh you know books uh you know audio books uh porn yeah he was selling porn the other day it was a full tape not and not like bad porn like good production quality 60 dollar dvd porn. oh yeah i mean if you, if you watch porn and i never really have i mean do you watch i mean oh, you have a lovely the, lady friend uh, yeah i do but i mean i still watch porn all the time uh now your lady uh i know we talked about this for a bit i mean what people don't understand about these roasts or anything's fair game oh absolutely um, if you're fat uh people will make fun of that if you're bald or balding people will go at that uh you know if you're old you know people go at that and and you know your lady has been the uh subject of uh, a couple roasters jokes and i mean how is that when not only are you getting sh not shit on but you know when your significant other is brought into the picture does that create problems uh no mostly because i know it's a joke and i remember the first time it happened it was really tough because it was like i wasn't expecting it but it was like 
especially when you're in the moment and everyone's like, because everyone, of course, is no matter what, if someone says something about your girlfriend, everyone's going to go nuts. Oh, yeah. Because it's such a taboo subject. So the first time it happened, I like just pushed through it and just did my next joke and it was better. And like just acting like it didn't bother me was like enough to where people were like, oh, okay. Like they just moved on. It took the sting away. Then the next battle, when I went against Pete C, he had a great, he had two great jokes about my girlfriend. Pete C's a killer. Dude, he's so tough. It was, it was nuts. And he's underestimated because he's not, I guess you'd say he's not really a stand-up. He's just like more of a, uh, a comedy voyeur, but probably one of the funniest, other than Jamar Neighbors, funniest tweeters. Oh, man. Great. Which is kind of what those roasts are, basically mm-hmm. short zingers yep short zingers uh he had two good ones and then it was like you could just the second they landed it was just chaos and then i prepared the second time because like i wrote jokes in case he right in front of my girlfriend and that one hit then the next time i made fun of my girlfriend i just had a really good good comeback for it and it just destroyed because he has had some uh girlfriend uh lady friend issues Mm -hmm. So that's the great thing is like you might shit on someone's girl, but if you have any skeletons, oh yeah, man, it's the perfect rebuttal yep. to, you know, if you have a physical uh, defect in any way, shape, or form, you might make fun of someone for being bald. Well, your teeth are fucked up. Exactly. So it's uh, it's a great evening out of, uh, but has being in several roasts. Has that messed up your comedy to be like more mean spirited? And uh, no, actually, it was. Uh, I feel like I, <laughs> the roast battles made me more confident because, like, I was never good at like snapping on people, like making fun of people, but occasionally I will. Uh, I noticed I, I would do it a lot more at work. Like, I'd be at work and I'd say something about like a rude customer or something. Now, where do you work? I work at Starbucks, and then I work at the comedy store. Which Starbucks? I want you to get some action. Are you allowed to say? Uh, yeah, I mean, who? <laughs> I doubt Starbucks is listening to. No, you might. Well, I want to get you some business, man. Oh, Go. yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, the Studio City Starbucks off of Vantage and Ventura. Uh, yeah, I work at that one. Tons of hot girls all the time. It's Any great. celebrities? All the time, actually. Dude, uh, comedians that go to the comedy store pop in all the time, too. Do they ever tip you? Uh, Probably not. No, but I usually give them free coffee. Like, anyone that comes to the comedy store, I'll do my best to give them free coffee. And, like, uh, what's been the strangest interaction with any celebrity uh, like have you experienced attitude or good uh, tip i've uh there's some 90s star i can't remember his name if you showed me a picture i'd be able to find him he's in a lot of like movies he was always like the dreamy guy he came around he was out he was in like de- romantic comedies around the same time freddie prince jr was around okay uh his name is jesse something uh, Jesse Eisenberg? Not Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, fuck, I can't remember his name. Is, but uh, anyways, he comes in. He'll he'll always come to Starbucks, and he's just so rude. Really? Yeah, man. It's just like, or like people will be cheap about stuff, and it's like, I like it's like I get it, guys. But it's like, you guys live in like the most richest place. I see you driving away with a Porsche. Like, is sixty more cents on what you're drinking that important? Well, yeah, it's like the cheapest people uh, in the world are usually the richest. Yeah. Right. You know, I knew a guy who was a multimillionaire. I mean, millions, 30, 40 million, and he got illegal direct TV. <laughs> Just because it was thrilling for him. Like, yeah, the small things they can skimp out on. He got a charge from, you know, 
getting fucking free DirecTV. <laughs> so, so you work at Starbucks, you work at the comedy store. You're, how many nights a week do you do stand-up? I try to do as much as I can. Uh, I usually get up every Monday, and then because I help out with Eric Marino's open mic on Sundays at the store, I get up Sundays, Tuesdays, Mondays. Those are like my three days I try to get up as much. Um, and then Saturdays, if I can get up on one of the bringer shows. Cause like I just Tammy Joe. Tammy Joe, if I can. Uh, Cindy, mostly. Crazy goes, Cindy. Yeah, crazy-ass Cindy. She's always takes care of me. Uh, she's, uh, you know, I don't know if I would go up uh, in the middle of the show if I were her, but you know, <laughs> she can really kill a crowd. Yeah, she can. Nice lady, though. She's very sweet. She's It was so funny. Like, the first few times I met her, she was not the nicest to me, but then the if she finds one reason to love you, she'll love you forever. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, like, ever since I was super cool with her, she, like, gets me up as much as she can. But then I also, like, put in time and would help out with her, like, seating and stuff and playing music. Did she put you on first? Nah, she usually would put me on last or in the middle, and I loved going last. Does she give you a little extra time if you yeah, go last? She does. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Oh, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. You had asked me if it made me meaner, doing the roast made me meaner. Right. Uh, it's made me more confident because when I go up and do stand-up, like, those that room, you see how loud and crazy that room gets. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, they just want blood. So being in that such a high stressful situation and being able to, like, execute my joke and stuff, it like, if I can do that at, like, an open mic on a Monday or potluck on a Monday with, like, six people, I feel like I can, I'm going to be fine. All right. No, I mean, it's uh, the energy in that room. Even last night, it was just, like, uh, crazy. And then, uh, you know, for the Henchcliffe Jesus thing, it was crazy. Yeah, and man, that was nuts. Really, for most of them, they've been crazy. I mean, probably last week's with Teddy and Luke was the lightest crowd, and it was still damn near standing room only. Yeah. So. I love that there's, like, an undercard now. I mean, there's, like, a whole roast battle culture now, I feel like. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you know when a guy like Jeff Ross, who's as busy as he is, you know, is at the comedy store at, you know, midnight to one thirty. he's not going to put in his time unless he sees value. And, mm. you know, it's really a fact. It's the best show I've ever seen at the comedy store. So I just hope they don't run out of roasters. I no, mean, man. Because it's hard, like, to repeat, like, yep. Like, you know, Sarah's done it now two or three times. I think Jesus has done it two or three times. I've done it four total. And uh, you've done it four total? I'm an undefeated four. So it's like, you know, for the next person who would have to roast you guys, it's like, well, everything's been done. Yeah. Well, I, And I think that's going to make or break the next roasters because it's like, it's going to make you write better. Yeah. And uh, I, I love it. Like, my stand-up's not the best. Like, I'm still learning. Who's this? All right. <laughs> But like when it's if I have something to apply myself to, right. I feel like I'm much better. I mean, now do you find on these roasts it's easier to go against people you're friends with, or like, like, like kind of last night where I, I got the feeling Sarah and uh, Tiffany were just acquaintances, so Sarah didn't, especially Sarah, didn't really mind going after. Yeah. Uh, I mean, would you rather go up against a, a friend so you know that? Uh, uh, neither one of you would take it personally or would you like to go up against someone maybe not necessarily you don't like but that you might not have a problem zinging i like uh i mean friends are cool not someone i'm super close with just because like it's i don't know it's, i feel like i just don't want to ruin a friendship right uh if it's someone i don't know i research super heavy like when i went against pete c i talked to everyone i even talked to him 
uh, we actually became closer friends because of it because I didn't know him that well. Right. But then once we like found out we were roasting, we'd talk all the time. I'd give him tons of stuff about me. He'd give him tons of stuff about me. He met my girlfriend. You know, we just became super cool. I think me battling someone I don't know is easier just because you can research and stuff. And right. No, I don't know who. Uh, I think I'll. I'd like to roast either Boone or just Josh Meyerowitz. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Josh would probably kill me though. He's pretty. Uh, that's autistic thunder we're yeah. talking about. Who's uh, completely? He's even part of the battle. Yep. He gets the crowd going and yep. and uh, chance chance like a insane maniac and that's perfect for him though because he's a huge wwe head or do, now do you like wrestling uh i was never as into it as my cousins were mostly because they were body slamming me all the time and i didn't like it oh really <laughs> yeah i was the one i was the the runt of the pack but uh yeah i would f- follow it with them as much what do you uh what's like your favorite non-comedy activity to do me uh besides smoking weed Oh, do you uh, smoke weed? All the time. That's cool. Where do you, I mean, like, like, like I've always wondered where people get their weed from, like do you, dispensary? Or yep, dispensary. What's your medical condition? Uh, well, I actually, I actually do have terrible anxiety. Oh, do you really? Yeah, it's, it's like, not debilitating, but it's pretty bad. It's bad enough to get some weed. Yeah, to get stoned all the time. Because I'll get, like, I'll run myself in circles. Now, do, how much weed did you order the week of the roast i mean your anxiety must have tripled oh yeah man i'll i'll just be like like i'd get super stoned and i'd write and then the day of actually it was so funny i I panicked so much i had my girlfriend drop me off three hours before the battle and then i had like three pages of notes that i rewrote like four times this the order of things and i get like super panicky and i smoked at least an eighth that day i just rolled like three blunts well, that was the crazy thing about last night. Tiffany kept firing through her notes, but I don't know what was written on those pages. But uh, I don't think there were any jokes. But, yeah, man, it's I mean, like like that panicked feeling you get when you're up there when you're like, ah, oh, man, I've got nothing else. Oh, it's tough. I, I'm not, uh, you know, uh, dogging her for that, but uh, you know, she she did that, that. You can definitely tell there's a point where someone like hits the wall and they're like oh my god i've got nothing yeah and you can tell usually because they start pacing back and forth yeah uh it's like kind of when josh martin uh battled alex phillips like you could tell there was a point where josh felt a little like uh uncomfortable he's like i don't want to do this anymore because alex was intimidated alex was probably the only guy to like really talk over someone in the roast and, and it worked i guess oh yeah absolutely it was a very uh, totally got in his head i think josh uh, martin probably would have done a lot better if uh he didn't stutter so much well yeah i think you know when he's not nervous he doesn't stutter yeah but alex uh you got to give him credit he he really got into josh's head in the oh, first round and yep. you know uh I mean, I know we're talking a lot about the roast battle, but it's just such a fascinating show. Yeah. That if if you're in LA or coming to LA, stay an extra day, call Orbits or Priceline, and Tuesday uh, midnight. It's just or a little before midnight. It's just a special. uh, You know, you've got A-list comics judging. You know, Sarah Silverman, Bill Burr. uh, You know, every week they're big judges. Huge uh, judges. And uh, it's some of the best young and upcoming comics uh, 
and established comics. Yep. Uh, it's just such a great and so many different characters. Oh uh, man! Um, but it's you know it's, it's just such a carnival like atmosphere. Yeah, it's the best. And it you know it's such you know very rarely will you ever be in a room with that much talent. Oh yeah, especially like I remember when they would all just start coming and hanging out. Like when people that weren't even judges were just hanging. Like when Sarah Silverman was just kicking it. Like Burr, when I remember the first time Harold Burrs popped in, it was, it was uh, man, it was just mind blowing. Especially being so new in stand up and watching all these guys just hang out. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I remember that night Hannibal Burrs just he sat down right next to me, and you know that was when my role was kind of unofficial, and uh, you know I started doing my house racist lines, and here I am next to a pretty dark human, <laughs> and he kind of shot me a look of like, the fuck. What's this part of the show about? But he was really cool, and uh, you know, it's just there's no I, I there's no other show that I can think of where there's that much talent in the room, either performing or watching, yeah. you know, hanging out, and and now Tuesday nights at the comedy store are a total scene. Yep, it's uh, uh, it's bananas. Someone I think said that Chappelle stopped his show last night in the main room because we, we were being so loud up in the ballet room. He's like, "What's going on up there?" Yeah. So. You know, when Chappelle's stopping the show. To, you know, I mean, last night at the store was just magic. Dude, it was Cat Williams, Dave Chappelle. Yeah, I mean, uh, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart was there. I mean, probably the highlight of my uh, comedy career was uh, last night showing Kevin Hart where the bathroom was. So <laughs> it's uh, another good career when that's the highlight. But mm. I didn't know David Spade was there. Did he go up? I don't know. I saw him in the when I was walking through. Uh, oh, that reminds me. I remember one of the most interesting. Uh, one of the most interesting interactions I've ever had there was with Tracy Morgan. Um, oh yeah. I, I was late for the open mic and I rounded the corner too fast and I just like was like in the middle of the circle of Tracy Morgan and like his friends and then like everyone was just kicking it and I was like oh shit and I immediately stopped and just hung out. And I was just so like, uh, and I remember I called him sir, and I was like, oh, thanks, sir. And he was like, just casually, was like, why, why are you calling me sir? Just kick it. We're all comics. Just relax. Well, that's cool. I, I was like, yeah, cool. And I was just so like starstruck because I think he's so funny. Oh, yeah, man. <clears throat> it's hard not to get starstruck up there. You know, like when Russell Peters is up there. I mean, yeah. So this guy made $22 million last year doing stand up. That's, that's crazy. Who have you met that's like at the store that's like blew your mind? Um, probably Roddy Piper, to be honest with you. I mean, like he's not, you know, of of the non comics, I guess, because uh, I mean that guy was like a superhero to people my age, mm. you know. Uh, and it's like meeting Superman. I mean, this guy was the best bad guy ever in wrestling, and just a. He loves the whole court, so just to like talk about the days of the business with him, it's like, I mean, where where else or what other business could you just talk to a living legend? Yeah. Uh, but comically, I guess I mean, seeing Chappelle up there, you know, I mean, it's pretty neat. Uh, I remember one night in the OR, he did about three hours in front of me and like maybe five other people. Oh, what? That's got to be the best three hours. Yeah, no, it was great. I mean, he basically wasn't. He was just taking our questions. Oh, man, that's awesome. And uh, him and I bonded over, you know, one of his idols or mentors was this uh, 
New York street comic by the name of Charlie Barnett. Yep, I know exactly. But uh, he didn't get an SNL spot because he couldn't read, right? Yeah, no, and he uh, I uh, was was a fan of his because uh, he was. Uh, he was probably on about maybe 15, 20 episodes of Miami Vice. He played this uh, great character called the Noog Man, Noogie, uh, Noogie Lamont, and he was like a like a shady, uh, you know, crook they would always use as an informant. And uh, I guess, you know, he would in New York just start doing stand up on a street corner, and within twenty minutes, there'd be hundreds of people watching him perform. And I guess that was Chappelle's like mentor i guess you'd call him so uh yeah because in the in that area he performed it was like anyone could perform so yeah you were literally battling for the crowd at that point point. and I he was like yeah he was great. the guy so i mean you know when Chappelle and I, I think jeff ross knew him too uh you know when guys like that are saying this guy was my mentor you know that's who we look up to it's like wow yeah he was he didn't like not many people know about him yeah i think he died uh Got what he died of, but uh, he died pretty young, you know, and it's kind of like a black Mitch Hedberg, I guess yep. you'd say. Like, just I mean, like Mitch was famous to guys like you and me, but like maybe the the general public, you know, he wasn't as famous as he should have been, yeah, to me anyway. So, you know, I guess Chappelle would be my guy, and Jeff Ross to be honest. I mean, like I'm a huge roast fan. Yeah, me too. I grew so. up watching him, man. I think we all did. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i a lot older than you, so like, I grew up with the Dean Martin roast, which were, you know, I kind of like better than the Comedy Central roast just because... The Friars Club. Yeah, it's like uh, Don Rickles, yep. and like, it's kind of sad when you watch him now and realize that literally 90% of the people are dead. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, Dean Martin, and I, I think Don Rickles might be the, the last guy who's of that era that's alive. Um... But, you know, just some of the things they were saying back then it was just like now I find that some of the, like Lisa Lampanelli and others just, you know, I like big black dick. Uh, but like Don Rickles would be like edgy and yeah. but he wouldn't swear. So, yeah. but, you know, everyone's different. Yeah. What who are your uh, favorite comics? Uh, Jeff Ross is probably one of my favorite comics, especially when it comes to like roasting and stuff. So, like, I remember he like shook my hand after one of my roasts and I like practically cried oh he's a killer yeah man that was uh that was like one of the coolest nights uh louis ck is one of my favorite comedians have you ever seen him uh perform at the store i have and i've actually gotten to talk to him twice how was he nice to you he was the nicest guy in the world um what'd you guys talk about <laughs> not stand up which was super cool uh he or actually we stand, talked about stand up once uh he came in and I was before I got hired. It's like right when I first got there, and I was standing outside the door, and he popped out, and I was like, "Hey, hey!" And we talked for like three minutes, uh, and I was so nervous that I forgot to introduce myself. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, we still had, like held a conversation, and then he left, and I was like, "Oh, fuck!" Because uh, I didn't, I didn't, I don't know, I just didn't introduce myself. So then the next time when he came in, I made sure to introduce myself, and then we talked again just about stuff, and he, I got to see him perform three times that night. Which is crazy. Yeah. So I got to see him in the OR, I got to see him in the main room, then I got to see him in the belly room, which and is super cool. How neat was it to see a guy like him in the belly room, which um, is the smaller of the rooms for those of you who've never been to the comedy store. It's like an addict almost. Yeah. 
it was great because then it, it just made me, I don't know, I felt like I learned something. It made me realize that it's like no matter where you are, no matter what, it's just like you just like you can just do it. Like Right. I don't I remember someone told me a story about how it was like super late at night. There was literally like nine people in the audience in the OR. They were in the main room. Oh, it was in it was the main room because he had poked his head out of the curtains and like looked and was like, meh. And like not his head and just went out and did right. did material. So I thought that was like if he can just go up and do it in front of like nine people. We all can. Exactly. Yeah, no, I mean it is neat to see like big name comics like Attell and yep. Oh um, yes, yeah. I saw Dave Attell, which was super cool because my dad, when he when he was a single dad raising me and stuff, we'd watch Insomniac all the time. I'd like remember staying up until like midnight, way past my bedtime, watching Insomniac with my pops. Oh, that's awesome, man. And, like, did you grow up liking Hispanic comics specifically? or No, actually. I, like, I like, my whole family loves Carlos Mencia and George Lopez. And I, I was not, yeah, right? Well, yay um, to the uh, last one. I mean, yeah, ugh. yeah boot up. To Ned. Like, why do you guys call him Ned? That's his real name. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. You never knew that? Nope. Uh, yeah, his name is Ned Hoffs. Really? That yeah. is the... So it's you know that's the funny thing that uh, you know uh, he he's like Mexican but he's really a Honduran Jew. Really? Oh man, yeah, I'm more Mexican than he is. That's nuts. Well, yeah, I mean, and your name's really Frank Castillo. Yeah. I can't believe I called you Frank Estrada. <laughs> that's so right. That, that might have been the worst opening uh, ever uh, of inappropriate Earl. But I will keep it in there because Bart, that, yeah. I want uh, the awkwardness and the, uh, you know, I don't plan my interviews out. And I think that's pretty easy to see. Yeah, it works. Well, I mean, it's I want it to be organic. And like with you, it's like I, I know nothing about you, yeah. even though we've known each other for probably a year. Yeah, I remember uh, you were one of the first people that uh, I met that was that around like the late night time. Because it's definitely like a shift around the comedy store when it gets like late night. You get you obviously see certain people. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I would go up there earlier, but I just, you know, it, I don't get up, so it's like, why get there early? Exactly. So, I mean, Don Barris, uh, the king of late night, uh, you know, he puts me up, you know, when he can, so it just, you know, and I'm a late night guy, so. Yeah. And I remember first seeing you, you were, you were very funny. Oh, thanks. And yeah. I think you're very, very hilarious, and you, you always kill from the back of the room, which is like, as one of the voices of the house, as they call it, you know. In the back of the room, like the, the was the get two guys from the Muppets? Yeah, yeah, Bert and Ernie. No, <laughs> the two old guys that sat on the balcony. You know, I, I really wasn't a Muppets guy, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it, it's uh, a lot of people, like, I remember one year I auditioned for Montreal, and I, I did pretty well that night, and Chris D'Elia walked up to me, he's like, bro, I didn't even know you did stand up. <laughs> like, oh, man, that's not to exactly what you want to hear. All uh, right. 15 years in but he was being you know he was being nice so you know you take a compliment from delia when you get it baby right so um yeah but late night there's a just such an energy it's magic man i remember when i f my f trey actually was the one who was like you stay like come and just hang out and stay i remember when i first saw don go up for the first time and then that whole late night yeah i mean it's a whole dude, i mean show well i mean trey is uh you know it, you know, Trey Stewart, great comic, really funny dude. Uh, I think maybe one of under three people in the world has ever been fired from the comedy store. I mean, mm -hmm. it takes doing to get yeah, fired from yeah. the. I've I heard. mean, 
This is not a, an easy place to get. Uh, they will overlook a lot of things. So, but uh, I think Trey one night uh, while he was working the cover booth, uh, let's just say was enamored with a, a Canadian tourist and left his post. <laughs> and uh, a couple of people uh, got a, f- a free comedy show that night. Yep. <laughs> so uh, that that was. Uh, but he's a good dude, and he's uh, landed. But but that's the great thing about the comedy stores. Like you know, he got fired. I think Alex Phillips. Recently got fired, but you're still welcomed back at the store. Yep. Like it's the store is the only place where you can get fired, and you know you'll still get your stage time and like you get in the system. Yeah, so it's uh, I got hired because Alex got fired. Yeah, so thank you, Alex Phillips. Yep. Uh, now, how do you like performing at, like the Improv and Ice House? Do do you... I've never performed at the Ice House. I've performed at the Improv uh, a few times uh, in front of a crowd. Uh, not yet at the improv. I've done the open mic a few times. That's cool. Yeah. Um, uh, Flappers is cool. I did the haha, which is the worst Ha-ha's place the worst. in the world. Oh man. There's two now, isn't there? Well, no. I think they closed the first one down, or re- they uh, moved. I guess. Uh, geez, I don't. I hope there's not two haha's. I mean, you know, that's. Uh, I haven't been there in a couple of years, so. Yeah, you're not missing anything. Well, you know, I was uh, I I actually left a really bad review on it uh on some comedy website and uh, I was about to go on there one night and Jack and one of his henchmen, I think it might have been his kid, was like, "Uh can we talk to you for a second? And they take me in the back into the kitchen like it was a mob hit and uh, they're like, "Did you write this review?" <laughs> and I'm like, and it said my name, Earl Skakel. Uh, and I'm like, "No." <laughs> Must have been somebody else. They, they're so stupid. They let me go on. That's uh, hilarious. I'm like, I'm never coming back here again. Yeah, I remember there was like mysterious charges on my card. Well, I mean, I I don't know how that place is in business, and you know, you have to. You know, I love how Jack won't let you tape your set, but he'll he'll give you a tape. You know, some shitty VHS quality, like, you know, for twenty dollars. It's like, yeah. well, I have a high def camera, Jack. Why don't I just? Use my own camera. Yeah, let me give you 20 bucks to just let me set something up. But I mean, that's like the great thing about the Ice House is you get a DV, a high-def DVD, uh, free copy of, of any time you're right there, like in oh, the main wow. room. And that's it's a great place if you know, you're know you ever looking to like get a TV set you know, or something yeah. to yeah. give to the various comedy shows. So... You know, and you'd you'd kill it at the Ice House. Really? Man. Oh, thanks. It's because there's a lot of Hispanics there. Uh, well, yeah, but uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're uh, listen, man. That that's I'm not saying that's your crowd, but you know, there's such hot crowds there that uh, it's almost impossible to to bomb at the Ice House. Uh, all right. Like I would say, at the Comedy Store, uh, you know, it's entirely possible to bomb there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've seen A-list comics eat it in the OR. Mm-hmm. Cause it's a tough room, dude. Toughest, it, you know. And like when you see A-list comics eating it, it's like, wow. I guess I can eat it too, and have many a night. Yeah, it's humbling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's very uh, humbling, but it makes you stronger. Like if you can do a set in the OR under, you know, tough conditions. Uh, you know, as I'm sure you've done. Uh, have you ever had to follow something wacky in the OR? Um, nothing yet. I had to. What did I have to follow? I think I had to follow someone getting in an argument on stage once. Oh yeah, no, I had to follow some dude 
uh, it was in the open mic, and the guy was just like, it was just the worst set I've ever like. And that's know, saying something. Yeah, and was, there was like no like, because you know I feel like everyone has like fundamentals and stuff. What? But he was I don't know if it was like a first time or it might have just been a crazy person. It was just like super offensive, and then just bad, and then I had to follow that, and it was just really weird. Well, I mean, that's the great thing at the, especially the open mic at the comedy stores. They will put anybody up. So you could have a, a, literally a homeless schizophrenic maniac and he'll get three or or she will get three minutes. Or both. Uh, Yeah, or Boone, if you're androgynous. (laughs) And, or a guy like GT who will like do fucking bird noises and, you know. uh, He talked his way onto one of the, uh, like Armenian bringer shows one night. Oh, I didn't know that. What? Wh- who's the Armenian bringer show? Oh, I, I can't remember. It was just one of the. It was like a. It was like an Armenian comedy night. I just remember that. And wow. then, uh, or some kind of. Yeah, it was like. Yeah, it was just. And he talked his way on, and then he went up, and then just did his whole thing, and it was just awful. Crazy. Yeah, he was just screaming stuff, and people were just taken aback. What's the best is when people laugh at it because they think it's a joke and then they realize, oh, this isn't funny. Yeah, or, or I think at, at some point with a guy like him, they realize, oh, man, this guy's really like this. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, I, I mean, actually, uh, you know, my stand-up is really just me, you know, and I think your stand-up is, is it's, it's a character, but it's you, like, yeah. it, which I think is the best kind of comedy, like... You don't have to fake it. Mm-hmm. You know, I've tried being high energy and like, hey, everyone. Yeah. I just can't do it. No, man. Very well, anyway. So, I'm starting to try to feel a little bit more comfortable. I oh, mean, yeah. yeah. How long have you been doing it? Three years. Three yeah. years going on four. And then I did like improv since I was in high school. You're just a baby, man. Yeah, man. I mean, I've, you know, in my case, it probably took me three or four years to just kind of feel somewhat comfortable and then to be honest another three or four years before i really found the style i wanted and yeah. i mean adam sandler told me once it took him nine years so that's him yeah man. so I, i'm glad i started and moved out as young as i did because i feel like like now especially since i have the shirt and i have them at the store like i feel like all right now i don't need to worry it's just all getting better from here like, oh yeah dude yeah. i mean i wish how old are you 25 oh fuck man i mean i started when i was 30 which you know is probably the one thing i regret (laughs) but uh you know yeah i mean and then you see like someone starting at your age 22 or 20 you know 21 you know around then and you hear like Chappelle started at 16 it's like god no wonder he's so good yeah man i think i'm two years older than Chappelle, and he's still a killer so that's uh but you know we're all on different paths, I guess. And like, where do you see yours? Where do you want to be in like two years? Do you want to be like a road headliner? Do you want to be just, you know, featuring for big name comics? Uh, yeah, I guess that's uh, yeah, I guess that's the question. It's kind of like, what do I want to do now? Um, I really want to get good. <laughs> I want to get really, really good. Right. Uh, I want to get at least as much time as I can because I always just feel like I'm not satisfied. Like I'll write something and then I'll work on it and then I'll hate it. Right. And I'll just keep doing new stuff. I wouldn't mind going on the road. A writing job would be really nice. I'm doing the San Jose Improv for the first time next week. Oh, who are you opening for someone? Yeah, or? it's going to be me, Quincy, uh, Stuart Thompson, and then Big Al Gonzalez. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's my first time in my home club. 
And are you going to go with those three guys, uh, like road tripping in a car? Yeah, yeah I think we're all going to drive up. That's the best. Is man. it? Yeah. How many have you done a lot of road gigs? Um, I well, I used to open up, and I guess I still somewhat do for Rob Schneider. Uh-huh. Um, and then you know those. That's like the best of the best, man. Yeah. What's that like? Just being on the road. It's great. Well, it's great when you're with Rob because it's like first class hotels. <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, even though it's not necessarily first class plane tickets, it's. The, you know, everyone knows him, so yeah. it's like we'd get all these wacky upgrades and. Yeah, you know, hey, come on in the first class, guys. We get two <laughs> extra seats. A lot of chicks. And he's married to a beautiful, beautiful, amazing woman, so he doesn't indulge. And then, uh, you know, I had a girlfriend uh, for most of my time with him, so I didn't indulge. Uh, you know, it, I mean, it's uh, you know, there's a lot of temptation out there for sure. That's what I'm. I mean, I'm not worried about it, but that's the thing that scares me. Well, it's there, man, and it's you know you're. You know, you'll, uh, you know, the odds are you'll probably be younger than whoever you're opening for. So uh, that, you know, most older comics are, you know, some are horny, just animals, but most are like either married or have a girlfriend. So they're not like, they're like, you know, have, have at it, kid. <laughs> and it's hard to like, you know, there definitely were nights where you're like, not necessarily tempted, but, you know, you have all these people telling you how great you are and they're young girls and, uh, you know, it is, uh, it's a great ego boost, but, you know, you have to know when to kind of, you know, draw the line. Yeah, that's what, uh, that's what I'm kind of happy I have a girlfriend, because, like, I can definitely tell those kind of hot girls that are just, like, around and, like, just want either stage time or they just want, you know, you because of the stuff you've done, and it's like, I mean, not that I'm anything now, but it's just like... Uh, yeah, but you will be. Yeah. And, you know, and you're well-liked. I mean, you know, there's... You know, you're playing it smart, not just at the comedy store, but, you know, in general, you're well-liked. So it's like, you'll you'll get those twats. Oh, let me fuck Frank, and, you know, maybe he can get me on comedy juice or whatever. So, you know, just be careful. You know, you got a good lady, so don't don't mess that up by being a moron. No, absolutely not, man. But you'll have fun. It is fun to be in front of, like, you know... Big crowds, you know, and San Jose Improv is like this massive theater. Yeah, it's my first time doing it. Like, you know, it's it's a nice. Uh, What's the biggest crowd you've done? Um, there's been some theater shows with Rob where it was two thousand people. Jesus. Oh, uh, you know, and, and maybe it went, probably the first big show I ever did was at San Diego show for at Fourth and B, which oh, okay. I don't know how many people it holds, but it was a lot of people. And, you know, it's like, um, but yeah, Rob. Uh, I think we did some casino in New Mexico. It was like 2,500 people. Jesus. And it's like in the middle of nowhere. So it's like you're like in Albuquerque, but it was like in a, you know, there was nothing. And then you see like this, as we're driving up, you see like it almost looks like a mirage. And you're like, it looks like that, you know, city in Star Wars in the desert where. Oh, Tatooine? The cantina. Yeah. And you like, you literally think Lost you're. Isley. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, you're right. Well, where Chewbacca and Han Solo were hanging out. Yeah, I think that's Mos Eisley. I mean, it 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 just looked like that, and then you go there, and you're in this casino that's incredibly smoky, and then you open up the the theater doors, and there's 2,500 people in there. I mean, it was crazy. What the? What was that laughter like? Oh, it's great. You can't really see past the first three or four rows, and then you you know. you know the beginning's awkward because there's no, you know, you're the opener, so there's no like MC. It's just they just push you out there, and like 
the crowd it's awkward at first because the crowd's like who's this guy you know they're like does he work here uh, you know you don't even really get an introduction but then after a few minutes it, i think they all clue in on this guy or girl has a hard gig you know we're all here to see i mean it's pretty intimidating and you'll find this out when you open up for whoever uh you know to be in a room full of two thousand people and literally not one person is there to see you i kind of like that though I mean, it's it's cool because they have no expectations of you. Yep. But it's also there's an energy of the room. Of, okay, get the, you know we'll watch you and we'll chuckle, but we're here to see Rob Schneider or we're here to see Chris D'Elia or you know whoever. So you know it's like when I go to concerts, I don't know about you, but like I'll go see Kiss play a Rat, and I'll be like, okay, this band's pretty good, but I want to hear Rat or yep. Kiss, beat it. So <laughs> when's you know. it set over? Yeah, yeah, and that's probably, you know, I'm like, I actually started saying that, you know, to the audience, I'm like, hey, I've been where you guys are, you know, I know what you're thinking, <laughs> how much more time does this guy have left, uh, and, you know, they're pretty, you know, you just can't throw Rob out there cold, or, or Whitney Cummings, you know, probably the funniest gig I did was uh, Rob and Whitney Cummings were, did some casino, and, uh, they asked me to open, so you know I went with Rob and uh, this big, you know, these Indian casinos don't fuck around. No, nope, I mean, they, they do not. They don't want long shows. Nope. They don't want, you know, which is great because it, when you do casino shows, it's like they want it to be an hour and a half, no longer, because they want people out there gambling. Yep. So uh, I go out there, and the guy's like, "Well, uh, listen, we don't have time for a third act, so we're going to do a bingo draw and bring Rob out." And uh, it was very interesting to see him go out to a cold audience, like dead cold, and he killed it. And then I'm like, wow, Whitney's going to have trouble, you know, following this, you know, because he's been doing comedy 20 years, and, and she killed it. So it was, it was neat to see two comics, you know, in an in interesting circumstance, like, you know, do their thing. And, yeah. and both, I mean, they lift they, those weights. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, because I figure Whitney's probably been doing comedy 10 years or, or whatever, and Rob's been doing it at least 20, so it was like, you would think most people would have had trouble following Rob, but she she was an animal and just killed it, so. Yeah, that's how you get stronger, following those, uh, those strong people. Yeah, no, I used to like following people who bombed. <laughs> that's all I do. Well, I mean, it's because you think, oh, well, th I'm going to look like George Carlin after... Uh, you know, Mugzilla eats it for 10 minutes, but then you realize you want to follow someone who did well because the, ener the energy in the room's high and they're just going to hopefully roll right in with your act. So, I mean, what do you like? I mean, you know, I'm not saying you root for people to bomb in front of you, but what do you prefer? Um, oh, man, perfect situation. Uh, I like going up last because it's like, especially now because I feel like it's I could be like, I could connect easier because it's like, all right, I know I'm the last guy, guys. You know, let's make this quick. And then they're like, ah. Right. And then, you know, I make them, I don't, I make them laugh. And then they're like, oh, that last guy wasn't too bad. That's why I like going to blast. I don't mind if the person in front of me sucks. I just like them to not be terrible. Right. Know? I had to do a show when I was working the OR at the store, and I they just tossed me up on last. And uh, the two people before me, I think they had just started because they were super, super, like, new. And then I went up, and they just loved me. 
because it was like I just came with full thoughts, jokes, and premises. So like for the last ten minutes, they just saw like nothing, you know. Oh no! I mean that's uh, you know bringer shows are tough, man, to uh, go on last because you don't know what they fucking been through, and it's probably been at least two to three hours of just ruthless terribleness. Yeah, uh, you know, just you know, beginning comics. I mean. You know, and for those of you who aren't familiar with the, that term, bringer shows, you, you know, you're kind of booked not based on if you're funny or not, but if you can uh, just bring your friends. Yep. And most shows start to resemble, uh, you think the audience members brought eight comics each. So it's, you know, it's a lot of comics. <laughs> well, you know, some good ones. I mean, you know, I've seen some, uh, I remember one scene, I think it was, I forget who's, show it was in the main room but there was like this one really funny dude it's like wow this, this guy's got potential and, and you always feel sorry for him because it's like they don't know yeah or you see someone who's really funny but their friends didn't show up and the rule is if you didn't bring anyone you can't go on yeah which is and it, i've been in proximity when someone's been told they couldn't get on, get on oh it's the worst it's like watching someone's dream get crushed yeah that happened uh I think the other night at the store some really? oh, young yeah. black comic you could tell was like new and he was like so excited to perform at the comedy store and i guess he, his friends didn't show up and like, you know the promoter said hey i'm sorry you can't you don't get to go on you can just see how bummed he was so yeah. but you got to pay your dues in this yep. business yep you know and uh you know what kind of do you do a lot of non comedy club shows like bars or what's like the most interesting gig you've done i did a ever um <laughs> uh this is the worst actually <clears throat> my aunt i have like my family's really proud of me like almost too proud of me <laughs> you're a hard-working dude yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh but like my aunt would always go to this like wine bistro in san jose and okay. She convinced them to like, to like do a small comedy show, so they let me go up and do like twenty, which was just weird that my aunt convinced her to do it. But it was nice that like a bunch of people showed up, and there was like me, one other comic that was in like a local comic, and then another friend of mine, and it was just like a really impromptu show. But it was really weird, but kind of funny. Like it was just fun. It was like just a, a fine dining restaurant. And did they have a mic and stuff? They had a mic, and it was literally hooked up to like a guitar amp. Oh, I've done plenty of those shows. But it was it was tons of fun, man. Well, here's what you got to be careful of: like when you first start doing the road, you'll you'll go out there with some pretty lazy headliners, and you know, some some of these gigs where you have to drive really far away, it's just the two of you, and you know, the, these clubs or bars or saloons will, you know, hey, we need an hour and a half show, and you know, the headliner will be like, hey, wh why don't we just split the time? Oh, man. I mean, that happened to me on one, pro I think it was my first road gig. And it's like, I literally had 10 minutes of material, if that. And I had to do 45 minutes. Did you, you start know, reaching for stuff? I was doing the cra and crazy crowd work and just, you know, trying to, uh, it was in Medford, Oregon. So I was just, it was like a speed freak bar. Oh, so I was man. just kind of, picking on people but i really wasn't very good at it at that time and uh you know you're just trying to look at anything you could joke about in the bar so i did you know i mean i wouldn't say i bombed but i, I certainly didn't uh kill either 
So, uh, you know, you'll probably uh, get... I mean, how much time would you say you have if if I said, you know, if Russell Peters calls you tomorrow and says, hey, do you have a half hour? Uh, like a good half hour? Because <laughs> I got plenty of time. Right. <laughs> how much, good. Good, like, uh, you know, how much good time do you have? Uh, I would say eight to ten. That's pretty cool. That's is a, it, lot. Is that's it? a oh, TV okay. set. All right, then let's do like five to six. No, I'm sure. Well, no, I mean, if, if you can have a good, say, ten minutes, like your A list, you know, home runs and then you you could throw in some crowd work and like uh, it's like a solid like b you know you 10 could minutes. you could do 15 to 20 and and survive yeah i could definitely get through 15 to 20 but it wouldn't be the most amazing thing in the world i mean that's the thing that kills me is like what you just said is like i see people who call themselves headliners i can do an hour it's like no yeah, God, you, no. you can do an hour but is it funny exactly and that's where i want to get like i want to get to the point where it's like I go up and then I'll have like just ten good like great minutes. Right. Where it's like laughter, 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 laughter. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, an hour so long. I mean, that's why you know I was impressed with Rob. I mean, he does like an hour and fifteen. Yeah, man, I, I I can't even fathom that right now. And there's no soft spots. Like, there's not one. Like, if I did an hour and fifteen, I do fifteen. There's a soft spot or two. Uh, you know, an hour and fifteen, and he does, he you know he could cheat too because he could just do his movie lines and you know yell out you can do it for twenty minutes and people would love it. He doesn't do any of that. He, you know, it's it's you know pretty impressive how he does it. So you know, I mean, we'll all get there one day. One day. You know, oh, was that a Dean Del Rey impression? <laughs> well, I don't know. Did it did it, did it was it good? Everyone's got a Dean Del. Everyone's Rey got a Dean. Uh, I always do the um, what was it? That's weird. <laughs> but that's a sign of uh, you're, you've arrived in L.A. comedy when people... Like, I knew I was popular or whatever when, when people were doing impressions of me. Oh, yeah. People, uh, I would actually go up and tell you that people would do impressions of you doing an impression of your character at my work. Yeah. Like, I'd be at work, and then, like, we'd have, uh, like, a certain kind of customer... And then my bo- my boss would be like, "Wow, well, well. <laughs> And then I've had coworkers who'd say it. Someone must have let him out of their cage. <laughs> so uh, you know, I mean, my impression really isn't of anyone yeah. uh, in, in particular. It's just a uh, you know, growing up as a kid, my dad had a lot of racist friends because it was just a different era. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, he my dad was. Uh, I guess Donald Sterling's age, so he just that era was like. Oh yeah. Know, you know. Uh, yeah, they grew up with it. My grandma's know. the same way. Yeah. Uh, I came home with an Asian girlfriend. Me and my cousin actually both we were both dating Asian girls at the time. Right. And I introduced my grandma to my girlfriend, and then my grandma just straight up looks at me and goes, "What? This one's dating a pie face too?" Yeah, I mean, <laughs> pie face. I mean, that's you know. I mean, I was like, "Oh my God, Grandma." Yeah, it's crazy. You know, you forget that, you know, your grandmother, my dad, Donald Sterling, they they grew up in, like, where segregation was, like, still, like, you know, in full force. Yep. So, and, like, the N-word was, like, you know, used pretty liberally back in their time. I I don't say it at all. My mom, (laughs) because she comes from she was born like east side san jose she saw some stuff right she, like but so she says it just all the time and it was like like she doesn't say it as much now but there's a few times where i'm like ma you can't 
can't be saying that so freely. I mean, I grew up in an era where, I mean, I said it, you know, because I didn't know what it meant. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, because the first time I heard it, you know, I, you know, and I've told the story before on, on the show, so I don't want to bore people, but, you know, I was playing golf and I, I shot a really uh, good score when I was 13 years old on the front nine of this major golf course. And I ran home and uh, said to my dad, I said, Dad, I just shot bogey golf on the front nine of Bel Air Country Club from the men's tees, which is pretty good for a 13-year-old. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, he looked at me and goes, Earl, that's golf. So not knowing what that word meant, the next day I went down to the caddy yard, of course, where they're all black. <laughs> and I said, hey, guys, guys, guess what? Uh, my dad said I shot golf. <laughs> and the biggest, blackest caddy, who looked like a pro wrestler, you know, 6'8", 400, 500 pounds, uh, he grabs me by the shirt, kiddingly, because my dad was a big tipper, so they all loved him. Like, Earl, we love your dad, but don't ever say that word again. And I'm like, why not? But that just goes to show you the the wonderfulness of being naive. And, exactly. You know, walking into a room full of black people saying that word, thinking it was a compliment to you know, whatever. <laughs> Have a good day to you. <laughs> yeah, and I never said that word again uh, in public. But, uh, I mean, you know, Donald Sterling, that guy's out of his mind. Oh, man. I remember I mean, exactly where I was when I saw that. With uh, Donald Sterling, like when that... The tape, I was at work and I listened to it and I was like, wow. I mean, that's crazy, man. I mean, you know. I liked his interview on Anderson Cooper when, uh, you know, I think Anderson Cooper was kind of playfully leading him on to say stupid things again. And he's like, Big Magic Johnson. He's got AIDS. Uh, He actually has HIV, not full-blown AIDS. And he didn't even... He's like... But what has he done? Like, he didn't even say, oh, my fault. That's my bad. Yeah, yeah. Never apologetic. Yeah. Just straight plowing through it. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know. And who knows what, I mean, she said she has, like, hundreds of hours of tapes of him. Like, God knows. I hope no one's been taping me these last 20 years. <laughs> I don't own an NBA team, and I'm not a billionaire, so. Yeah, I don't want to lose anything. I mean, to show you how crazy that this world of stand-up is, I'd probably become a famous comic if those tapes ever surfaced. So you want them to? I mean, you know, uh, I never said the word, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's racism all over, man. I mean, you know, I'm Jewish, so, I, you know, but I went to a Catholic grade school and Catholic high school. So I would, you know, how people thought of Jews at my schools were crazy. I, I was like Matt Damon in that. No, Brendan Fraser in that one movie where he was a Jewish kid, but he went to the Catholic school because oh, he was yeah. great. Uh, school ties. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times in high school or grade school I said, yeah, those fucking Jews, man, they're really cheap. You know, we really got Jewed over with this school lunch. And I was like, Jesus. Did they know you were Jewish? No, no oh, one knew. that's the worst. So, I mean, did you, what, did you ever uh, experience, like, racism? Like, Yeah, actually, um, it's, it's different for me because, like, especially, like, after moving from San Jose, because, like, it was, it was, like, a pretty ghetto city. Where I lived in Sarasota. ghetto, like Hispanic or black. Hispanic or and black. It was like a where I lived. It was Eastside San Jose. So there was a lot of minorities, most like predominantly Mexican, and then we moved to like a better part of town. It was predominantly Filipino, and then now it's getting worse. But it's just like I don't know. I feel like kids will do stupid shit if they want to. But when I moved to a small town, 
It was predominantly Mormon, a lot of white people. Oh, great. Where is this place? I'd like to move Temecula? there. Temecula? Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, it's where the Pachanga Casino is, like a big Indian reservation. So every thought I, everyone thought I was kind of Native American. Some people didn't know I was Mexican. So I'd experience it a little bit, but like it was still very apparent. Like They would put swastikas on the trees. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Metal Militias started where uh, my town's from. Which oh, is, I, yeah, the, the yeah. MMA company. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a... Menelishes does MMA now. They did a motocross. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then, uh, but the emblem on their helmet is also the German helmet, and it's also the SS is uh, spells out metal militia. So oh, yeah. uh, most people, there's a small sect that was like super racist that came out of Temecula. And then the first day of high school, when I sat down, sat down to this really cute white girl, and then she had made a comment about Mexicans. And not knowing you were Mexican. Yeah. Yeah. And then she turned and she goes, oh, well, not you. You're different. Uh, and I was like, oh, cool. Thanks. Uh, those people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, I mean, Hitler was a great public speaker. I mean, oh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm flawless. Just kidding. I mean, you know, he just took, took his ideas a bit too far. <laughs> According to Marge Schott, <laughs> in the great, late great owner of the Cincinnati Reds, you know, who actually said that, uh, it, you know, she said that like, oh, he's a good speaker. He just went too far. <laughs> so, uh, and it probably the, the biggest laugh I ever got at the roast battle was saying the Holocaust was the first bringer show. Oh man, I was laughing about that the whole way home. I mean, I knew when Eliza laughed, uh, that was like, okay, that's a good joke. If she's laughing, yeah, because she doesn't strike me as the type that would, uh, you know, uh, laugh unless it was funny. So, yeah, um, I, you know, my, my girlfriend loves Eliza Schlesinger. You know, I. You know, I I'd heard varying reports on her, you know, on, in terms of her being nice to people, and I have to say that uh, in my interactions with her, she's been nice. Oh yeah, she's super nice to me. I've held her dog a few times. Yeah, Blanche, the great yep, Blanche, the great Blanche. It might be second only to Lois, who's very sleepy right now. In terms of the L.A. comedy scene, dogs and Sarah Tiana's Maverick, the pit bull Maverick. Huge now, by the way. Yeah, yeah, Maverick's. Uh, you know, uh, a big dog, but very friendly. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Brian Fischler, the uh, blind comic out of New York. I don't know if you've seen him at the comedy store. Uh, he comes out here periodically. He's got a seen eye dog. And uh, it's quite quite fascinating. Does he take it on stage? Uh, he has to. So. Uh, oh, really? Oh, wow. I don't think he uh, gets up a lot at the comedy store when he's in town, but, uh, you know, he likes to hang out in the patio and you'll see uh, his guide dog, which is amazing to see a uh, a guide dog at the comedy store patio and you know you got everyone coked up drunk everyone trying to stick it in some girl yeah. and this dog is just totally quiet relaxed you know so it's you know even the uh, canines at the comedy store uh, have a good time so yeah. uh, well that's crazy you you know had that kind of racism uh, you know experience uh, yeah man it was uh it was. Really, I don't really do a lot of racial humor. Uh, I feel like I should, though. Well, I mean, you have an edge of being a minority. Yeah. So I think you get a. It comes off a little differently coming from me because it's like I do a lot of jokes about. Because I struggle differently than most other Mexicans because it's like I'm very obviously like you wouldn't they don't have an accent right I'm not but like my whole family's like all very cultured you know and I'm like the only one that's like this. What? Very like, uh, what's it called? Assimilated? 
Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. You, you know, you're uh, assimilated. Yeah, yeah. very Mexican American. Assimilated. Assimilated. I don't know what it's called. Yeah. I didn't yeah. graduate college, so. Me neither. Did uh, you go to any college at all? Yeah, I went to Palomar Community College for about a year and a half, and I decided I hated it, and then I started working at that casino, and then I started doing stand-up. Well, you're a smart dude, man. You're going to go far in this business. <laughs> Thank you. I've seen a lot of comics who are very funny, not go as far as they could because they had attitudes and oh yeah that's a big thing like i'm i was raised i'm glad i went to that comedy club and started there because it was like community college for me right. so i i got to meet people and i got to like understand how, to, how a show's run and how really it's all about just being nice being polite coming through when like delivering when expected but dude if you're just a good person and nice you know oh yeah attitude, you know take you far it really helps i mean you might get walked on initially uh but, uh, you know, I think in the end it pays off and, uh, you know, you're well on your way. I mean, you got any big shows coming up? Aside from the San Jose Improv, that's about it. But uh, you can see me at the Roast Battle every Tuesday. When is that San Jose Improv show? Because we, you know, the way I used to do this podcast was, I think, the first month. I literally would tape like 15 or 20 shows and then I just released one a week thinking oh in case someone can't make it one week i'll just have one in the can so the problem was that people would plug the shows they were on uh four months ago <laughs> but now i release them the night of so uh for you northern california folks i highly suggest going to see frank quincy stewie and big al gonzalez who's a great dude i mean it's four super funny dudes we know it's at the san jose improv time and date may 29th at 8 p.m., if I'm correct. And that's a week from tomorrow? Yes, it's a Thursday. And then you're at the Roast Battle every Tuesday? And Yep, and then Eric Marino's Sunday uh, mic, the show go up every Sunday. That, and that's at the Comedy Store. Yeah, you know, Sunday room. nights at the Store Cool in the Belly Room. And then uh, Monday Potluck. Monday Potluck. You, you really, the store's got so many great nights. Because Potluck is like, you know, a mixture of uh, young and upcoming comics, uh, homeless open micers who've been doing it 30 years, and then you get the, you know, the uh, the house regulars like, you know, the Dalias, Mike Youngs, Dove Davidoffs, Tiana's, uh, you know, coming in, dropping in, and then, you know, m Monday nights closed out with Don Barris uh, and Fraser Smith, uh, L.A. Uh, legend Fraser Smith. Um, and then Tuesday nights is the roast battle, which is probably the most happening night of yeah. any club, any night, you know, it's, uh, just magical. So, uh, you know, Frank's a good dude. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, Frank C comedy. So it's just F R A N K C C O M E D Y. Oh, so it's no C and then comedy. So yeah. Frank how do you spe spell it out for these more <laughs> for the morons like me out there? <laughs> it's a F R A N K C and then C O M E D Y. That's right. So at Frank C Comedy, uh, follow this guy. He's a good dude. Thanks. Um, now you are an MMA fan or no? Oh, huge MMA fan. I love it. So let's get some predictions before we go, because I mean, this is uh, I think this is one of the longer pods we've done. Uh, really? Oh man, I appreciate. Oh that. no. I appreciate you uh, coming down. I know we tried to do it several times. Uh, yeah, we are at uh, an hour and 20 minutes. Oh, man, that's awesome. Uh, well, I try and, uh, you know, ba people ask me all the time, well, how long, you know, when I ask them to be a guest, 
uh, you know, they're like, well, what is it? I'm like, really, until it gets boring. <laughs> so, and this isn't boring, but you know, but I also try and like do it where people want to hear more of you. Like, oh, oh that yeah, guy absolutely. Frank was great. When's he back on? So, uh, yeah. but we got a big UFC card. Uh, there's so many fucking cards now. I don't know w what it is. Uh, UFC. I think it's 173, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, with my favorite fighter of all time, other than Fedor, uh, the great Dan Henderson. Oh. I've met Dan Henderson. Because he's from Temecula. Actually, or, I, mean, I don't know if he's from there, but oh, he, uh, we, <laughs> his training center's there. Yeah, his training center's there. Uh, I've met him. Uh, my coach has actually been on one of the UFC undercards. Who was it? Gabe Rudiger. Oh, wow. Gabe I've heard that name. Yeah, Gabe Godzilla Rudiger. Uh, and I was trained by Fabiano Silva, who's also part of like ATA, which is American Top Team Temecula. But uh, yeah, no, Dan Henderson, I, all the way, man. He's a beast. Well, I hope, but he's unfortunately for Dan Henderson, who's uh, probably, I not probably, definitely, the, in my opinion, the greatest American fighter of all time. Mm -hmm. But uh, I guess John Jones is American too, so he might be losing that title. But uh, he's fighting Daniel Cormier. Uh, I don't know Corm Cormier. Oh, he, Cormier is a heavyweight who. Uh, you know, he, he was like he was in that weird, almost Fedor weight range of two twenty, two thirty. Mm -hmm. It's like he's not quite big enough to fight. Although he did knock out Bigfoot Silva, oh, okay, who's like two hundred and sixty-five pounds, you know, at the weigh-in. So he's probably close to literally two ninety the day of the fight. Uh, he knocked him out. He, he's uh, beat up Josh Barnett, who was the UFC heavyweight champ. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's this is gonna be a tough one for Henderson because he's yeah, but I believe him, man. Henderson's just. Well, he could, but he's a little slow. Uh, he's you know, he's 44, too, man. That's super I mean, old. shit. 43, maybe? Uh, and, you know, he's kind of one-dimensional at this yeah. aspect. He just tries to go straight ahead and hit you with the right, which he did against his uh, last opponent, uh, Shogun Hua. 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 Let's feel like Howard Stern now. Hey, now. Hua. Uh, broke. Who, did you see Hua's face? Oh, yeah, my God. Oh, my, his nose, he had to have, like, some wacky surgery on his nose. So that's that's uh, this weekend, Cormier Henderson. I mean, I just I just hope I have a feeling Cormier is going to smash him, but hopefully, you know, anything's possible with the H bomb. But, do you like uh, uh, stand up or do you just like grappling? You know, I'm just a fan, so I don't. I mean, I I, I like stand up more because it's more exciting. I mean, I think I always feel bad when they're grappling and the crowd starts booing, and it's like you know, grappling is just as much a, a, a an art. Is you know the H bomb, yeah. Um, but you know, t two wrestlers. Kind of, I mean, Henderson and Cormier are both from the U.S. Uh, Olympic program, so you know it'll be interesting to see if that because they're both good strikers. Yep. You know, I mean, Bigfoot Silva is not an easy guy to knock out, and even though his head is like the size of a building, you know, because he's got that uh, gigantism disease. Yeah, he's just fucking. Blocky. But he's not that tall, you know. Yeah. Like Andre the Giant had it, you know. He yeah. was seven four, but like four hundred and sixty three pounds. Uh, but Bigfoot Silva's only like I don't want to say only, but he's like six four. But his head is like Just, the size of someone who would be seven five. Yeah. So uh, you know, that's that's going to be a very interesting fight. And then uh, who else is fighting? Uh, T.J. Dillashaw okay. is is fighting. Uh, he's a great fighter. And uh, Robbie Lawler is oh, wow. uh, fighting Ellenberger. So that's, oh, wow. you know, kind of feel bad for Robbie Lawler. He had a great run uh, in his last fight against Johnny Hendricks, but he just came up a little bit short. 
Sometimes it, I mean, sometimes it has to happen. Who are your, uh, while I look up the rest of the card, I'm being honest with my listeners. I want to be knowledgeable about the rest of this card. Who are you, what, what, uh, do you have favorite MMA fighters or? Yeah, yeah. I'm a big, big fan of uh, the prodigy. Uh, BJ Penn. BJ Penn. Oh, man. BJ Penn's insane. I love his, uh, his grappling's great. Um, uh, Are you watching Ultimate Fighter? No, I haven't watched as much as I used to. Uh, you know he's the coach. He's the coach for this one? Uh, uh, BJ Penn against Frankie Edgar. Oh, okay. Which I don't really have a, uh, you know, I mean, Edgar's already beat him twice. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think either guy's uh, in line for uh, a title. So it's kind of like, it's, you know, hard. but, you know, BJ Penn's amazing. I mean, you know. I like uh, Forrest Griffin. Oh, uh, Forrest Griffin was amazing. Yeah, man. Um, big, big heavyweights. Uh, oh, yeah. That's who I like the most. Yeah, just the big guys. Uh, God, what was his name? He was huge. He had the huge uh, tattoo on his back. He used to be a wrestler also. Oh, I mean, that makes me want to say Bigfoot Silva. No. Uh, you know, he was in He was in WWE. Or, Batista? Not Batista. Oh, Brock Lesnar. Lesnar. There you go. Because Batista did MMA. And then I think... You know, like, I think he had, like, two fights, and the first guy was kind of a tomato can. Mm -hmm. So it was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll do this. And then the second guy was, like, you know, maybe not well-known, but he was pretty legit. Yeah. And I think Batista was like, I don't like getting hit for real. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Lesnar was the same way after he, uh, you know, uh, who did he, Overeem, Alistair yep. Overeem, like, gave him a liver kick so hard, you actually saw Lesnar mouth, ouch. And then he crumpled, and then I think he's like, okay, maybe I'll go back to fighting The Undertaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when this was just slaps. All right, real quack. Real quack. Real quack. <laughs> this is, you know, my diction uh, is uh, not what it should be tonight. Uh, UFC 173, we got Rene uh, Barrao, Barrao against TJ Dillashaw. That's the main event. Cormier against Dan Henderson. Uh, Robbie Lawler against Ellenberger, which is going to be uh, a great fight. And then we've got uh, Jamie Varner against Mr. Kraus and Mizugaki against Rivera and some uh, prelims, too. I, I don't know. I don't see any heavyweights on this card, which is a bummer. Oh, man. I, I love those heavyweights. You know, Fabricio Verdum, uh, who's fighting Velasquez, Cain Velasquez in Mexico. Love Cain Velasquez. Uh, he's tough to beat. I mean, yeah, he's man. just, he's got the cardio of like one, a 155er. You know, the wrestling, probably definitely the best wrestler in the uh, heavyweight division. Yeah, that cardio is important, man. I've seen so many people just start gassing out, and you're like, ugh. Well, yeah, you got a guy. Well, those heavyweights especially, they're so used to just, you know, knocking guys out and overpowering them. But then, uh, you know, if you can't knock the guy out and you have to, you know, you know, go three to five rounds with them, you gas out, you know, especially the, the really overly muscular guys. It's heavy. Yeah, it takes a lot of fucking energy to move those i mean i would say the best heavyweight fight i've ever seen in my life uh was uh, mark uh, uh hunt and bigfoot silva it was uh -huh. five rounds of just it was like a video game um so it's rare that the heavyweights can go five rounds and then let's see what's going on for 174 you know there's so many goddamn cards now um it's, it's awesome man it's just so because you just everyone just loves the fights there's well, yeah. What do you think of the female fights? I mean, obviously there's Rousey and uh, yeah, 
you know, uh, like there's a card, UFC 173 this Saturday, and then there's a card from Germany uh, next Saturday, and then there's a tough enough, there's two UFC cards on the 31st. I love, I love girl, like chick MMA. Those girls are fucking beasts. There's a girl I used to do jiu-jitsu with. She was like the top of our class. Um, she placed second in Worlds in her weight class, and then she also played placed first in her belt weight class uh, in jiu-jitsu. And I used to have to roll with her all the time, and she fucking would destroy me. But she's just getting into MMA. Yeah, I mean, there's... Uh, I think they're trying to get... like There's that girl, Holly Holm, who's yeah. like a kick-ass boxer. Uh, she's getting into MMA. I mean, she is in it now. Uh, she's a potential opponent for Rousey. And, uh, you know, obviously everyone wants Cyborg. Oh, man, uh, that dude? He's a tough dude. Yeah. <laughs> Cyborg. I think Cyborg should fight Fallon Fox, <laughs> who's the transgendered uh, female. Uh, Who did uh, Cyborg fight that was actually really attractive that was in a movie? Um, Gina Carano. Oh, man. Kicked her ass. Oh, Gina Carano. So oh. who's, who might is rumored to be signing with the UFC uh, to uh, fight Rousey. I think they want to keep Rousey. They want to build Rousey up like WCW did Bill Goldberg. Oh, man. You know, just have her be undefeated and, you know, I mean, there's not, uh, there's a decent amount of depth in the women's uh, division, but, uh, you know, it's a very risky fight if Cyborg fights Rousey and kills her because then it's like Cyborg's not really marketable. I mean, no, she, not she's at a all. dude. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> so you can't really, you can't have her on posters. No. Cause... I mean, she ain't going to sell any fights with her looks. <laughs> yeah. And um, that would be a major no no. And then, uh, and then Rousey, it's like, well, she can't beat Cyborg. That's, I mean, that's a fight everyone wants. I mean, yeah. that might be the number one uh, pay per view ever if they eventually get it. But, you know, who knows? I mean, the UFC has pretty rigorous uh, steroid testing now. So it's, <laughs> it's going to be hard for her to pass a test. Yeah, absolutely. You've I mean, she has a dick, for God's sakes. <laughs> a huge one at that. But the fight I'm looking forward to, and it's kind of a going under the radar just because there's so many. Uh, uh, it's the tough enough, uh, tough Brazil finale, uh, which is next Saturday. It's uh, Stipe Miocic's heavyweight, very good striking heavyweight. Uh, he was supposed to fight Junior Dos Santos, mm-hmm. who's, you know, unfortunately for Dos Santos, he's like the number two guy in the heavyweight division who has been killed by Velasquez twice. Jesus. So there's really, you can't, it's like, what do you what do you do with him? You, yeah, like, you, you can't put him anywhere. No one wants to see a, a fourth, because he, he beat Velasquez the first time. He got lucky with a shot, mm-hmm. but he beat him. Yeah. And then Velasquez almost, the last fight, you could tell he could have finished him at any time. But he's like, I'm going to drag this out and beat the shit out of you for five rounds. Jesus. And uh, he, uh, so he broke his hand. So Miocic is fighting Fabio Maldonado, who is only 205 pounds. Only 205? He, he, this shows you how ballsy this guy is. He's really a, a 205er, a light heavyweight. He said, I'll fight him. Jeez. And this guy has the best chin. He is going to... He probably already has brain damage, but this is going to be a great fight just to see how much punishment he can take. Yeah. You can't knock this guy out. He's unbelievable. He's like a a Pez dispenser or a Rock'em Sock'em robot. You're just just you're, to take shots to the face. Yeah, and and he, and laughs at you as you can't see his face after the first round. It's so bloody and distorted, and he smiles at you. I think that'd be the scariest thing. Oh yeah, like you, you know, I, I've uh, you know, have you ever seen a fight up at the comedy store? 
Uh, no, I'm actually looking forward to it though. Oh, I've seen a few. It's pretty funny, you know. And I remember one night no someone tried intended. to fight uh, Don Barris. Oh, what? And Don got into like this really weird uh, karate stance, and the guy backed down. Oh, I'm getting a tweet already about this show. Really? This, maybe this is going live. Uh, think before you open your mouth or before you get slapped out. Don't ever disrespect Cyborg again. So, <laughs> wow, that's great. This guy must be in this house because I haven't released his podcast yet. So, Oh, uh, well, there. You, I'm sorry. Sorry about that, uh, JT Tropics uh, on Twitter. You know, But come on, dude. Frank will agree with me. I mean, no girl looks like that. <laughs> so don't shoot the messenger. I'm not the guy who was, you know, juicing to the gills. <laughs> so, but this is what happens, Frank, when you have a podcast. Is this live? I thought it was. I thought we were taping, but this guy's already. Uh, I uh, have to see this. Is it right here. There's no way this guy could have uh, any, uh, you know, had Tito Ortiz. So that's great. Now I've got Tito Ortiz after me too. <laughs> this must be. Li I mean, we we literally just said that. <laughs> That's great. So, uh, you know, I'm sorry about that, guys. And feel free on uh, Twitter at uh, Frank C. Comedy or at Earl Skakel to, uh, you know, voice your opinions about the show. Voice your opinion about Frank, me, any topics we've discussed. Yeah, please don't beat me up, though, because uh, I can't fight. I can't fight either. So, I mean, I look good, but, uh, you, know, I, you know, I'm all smoke and mirrors, man. I'm like uh, the L.A. comedy version of Overeem. I look like a killer, but... Uh, I'm not, not as good as I look. So uh, no offense out there to you cyborg fans, but let's face it. Come on, man. You know, Stevie Wonder could see what's going on there. <laughs> uh, so, Frank, it was. Uh, this is actually one of the longer shows we've done. You know, I'll, I'll admit I was a little nervous. You know, like I said, you know, we don't, I mean, we know each other. We're totally good friends, but I don't know a lot about you. <laughs> so I was like, Jesus Christ, what are we going to talk about? Yeah, I was actually pretty nervous, too. I mean, because, you know, I want you to have a good time. I want you to want to come back. Oh, absolutely. This, you is, know, this is a blast. I want, uh, you know, people listening to go, oh, I want to hear Frank on again, or I want to go see his comedy. So, uh, you know, I think it worked out good. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And uh, go see Frank with Stewie, Quincy, and Big Al Gonzalez next Thursday, the 29th, at the San Jose Improv. Um, you know, I've got a few local shows, none worth uh, plugging. Uh, you know, I think I have a worse tour schedule than the current version of L.A. Guns. Uh, so, but you can find me on Twitter uh, at Earl Skakel, E-A-R-L-S-K-A-K-E-L. -E and you can listen to Inappropriate Earl on uh, SoundCloud or for you uh, Apple and Steve Job uh, nut swingers, uh, go on iTunes. And uh, don't look up Earl Skakel because if you do, my shitty comedy album will show up. Buy that if you want. Uh, not necessary or just type in inappropriate Earl in the podcast section it's free and uh, you know leave a review you know hopefully you liked it and you know what even if you didn't like it leave a review and I leave up the bad reviews so uh, just because I think uh, I don't want to filter your opinions of me Frank or any other previous guest we had Tony Katane on no way legendary uh, actress and uh video vixen and like 99 percent of the comments were great oh she's so pretty she was so funny thank you for the great stories and then one guy wrote oh, she's a fucking whore <laughs> and i left it up there so uh hopefully uh you know say what you want be inappropriate if you want 
And thank you for supporting me uh, through the first 26 episodes. Frank C. is a great man. Follow him. Support him. And as always, I leave Inappropriate Earl with words of wisdom. Stay white. Great.